When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings. Picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford. Feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save rebound. Score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. And welcome to another unofficial Ring Royalty podcast. This is episode five. We've got an excellent episode for you guys today. Um, before we bring in our guests, let's get a check on the boys. Uh, Jack Weber, how you doing? Doing pretty well, Ryan. Uh, should be an interesting game tonight with uh, with Gross and Nick and Goal. But uh, hey, you never know what can happen, right? We'll see if the Blackhawks can insert an accountant. Anything can happen. Russell, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, and if the Zamboni driver can beat the Leafs, anything can happen as well. <laughs> We're hopeful. Uh, so, yeah, let's go ahead and bring in our guest. Uh, his name is Jack Frazier, but I think everyone uh, in the hockey world knows him uh, better as uh, Jay Fresh. Uh, Jack, how are we doing tonight? Not too bad. How are you guys doing? Doing awesome. Glad to have you on with us. Yeah, glad to be here. So, uh, so I just want to get right to it. Um, do you have a favorite hockey team? 
Uh, yeah, I'm a uh, I'm a Penguins fan. We we have Jack Johnson in common. Our, our admiration of, uh, <laughs> of of the King. Uh, yeah, no, I've been a I've been a Penguins fan ever since I was nine years old, sitting in front of my TV in in Nova Scotia, figuring out you know or watching the draft lottery and finding out who Sidney Crosby was going to be drafted by. So it's uh, oh. yeah, I, I think I, I ended up making the right call. But if I'm not mistaken, I was only a couple uh, hits of a lottery ball away from being a Kings fan. So close oh, enough yeah yeah that's true and you're uh correct me if i'm wrong but are you in toronto right now yes yeah no i i have since located to the center of the hockey universe okay yeah because i've seen a couple of your posts on twitter you know you're driving to and from uh halifax um so you're originally from uh nova scotia right yep i'm a i'm a maritimer uh and then uh yeah, I, I spend most of my time here, which which is great because people always think that I'm like a super biased Leafs fan. Uh, yeah, completely throw out any of my opinions on them based on that. When I have always disliked the Leafs very vehemently. So, well, we had uh, we had Tony Ferrari on last week, and you may know he's a, he's a Leafs fan. Yeah, they all they all are. That's that's how it works. <laughs> you talk to anybody in hockey, half of them are Leafs fans, the other half are Canucks fans. I've noticed. Well, Jack, yeah. not only is both our names Jack, but we also both live in Toronto and don't like the Leafs. So it seems like <laughs> we've got a lot in common here. That's good. I'm glad we have some solidarity going on here. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Jack, I want to get to um, kind of, uh, I'll call it your baby for lack of a better phrase, but you are kind of known for making um, analytical player cards uh, that are available through your Patreon. I know I'm a subscriber. I know Russell is. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on what kind of, what's the origin of uh, making those? Yeah. So that was kind of the thing, I guess, that I guess got me noticed by, by anybody. Uh, yeah. I basically had access to these kind of stats resources, uh, you know, the, the subscriber websites that were out there and uh, you know, it really was just kind of for my own purpose. I, I had all this kind of data that I was jumping from site to site trying to see. So if the Penguins were rumored to acquire somebody, you know, I'd, I'd have to, you know, check a whole bunch of websites just to get some vague idea of what was going on with them. And so, you know, for my own purpose and, and for a couple of my friends, I decided to see if I could just kind of put it together in a in a form that, that would be very quick and to the point and have all the info that I needed. And then kind of on a lark, I decided to post it on Twitter. Uh, and then it turned out, I guess that a lot of other people were interested in it too. And it all kind of ballooned from there. So, you know, with, with quarantine and everything, you know, I graduated uh, into an economy where my job prospects suddenly evaporated before my eyes. So there was a lot of time for, uh, for hockey related nonsense. And, uh, I, you know, I, I guess I, I took decent advantage of it and, uh, and here we are. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously there's a lot of the other sites out there, you know, uh, evolving hockey, uh, top-down hockey. I know you have a lot of stats uh, that are uh, kind of taken from there and incorporated into your cards. Um, but I just think it's so cool how, you know, your even strength cards on there, you can flip through there. Um, can you kind of just dive into why you have the categories that you have on there? And maybe just a quick overview of what each one means for um, some of those people that aren't uh, as familiar with expected goals for or expected goals against, you know, terms that we use. Sure. So I guess the two things that I have in mind with them is uh, 
the first one is is making sure that kind of all the essential stuff that, that I would want to have on hand if I'm trying to figure out, you know, just a general overview of a player who I haven't watched before. You know, most people haven't seen most players before. Uh, I think some people pretend that they uh, are a little bit more familiar with the eye test of, of guys than they actually are. Uh, you know, I kind of come come to the table with a, the humility to say that, you know, if the Penguins were to acquire Alex Iafalo, you know, I haven't seen that many Kings games. Uh, you know, I'd want to have a certain number of stats in front of me so I could get a general sense of the kind of game he plays. Uh, you know, so so that's one factor. And then there's also just kind of, you know, the, the graphic design, you know, economy aspect of, you know, you can't have everything on there and, and, and it wouldn't be visually appealing or, or accessible if, if you did. So, you know, I kind of pick the ones that I find the most important. Uh, you know, just to give kind of a quick, I guess, overview of, of some of the ones like on the, the 21, 2021 even strength cards that you were talking about. Uh, you know, it, it's early on in the season, so I did kind of try to pick specific ones that might be able to give, you know, a bit of a glance and a smaller sample. Uh, you know, so there's like even strength goals, even strength primary assists, you know, and points. Uh, there's quality of competition and teammates, which which is one that I find useful for kind of figuring out how a player is deployed and trusted by their coach. Uh, so that basically is a stat that measures the quality of the teammates that a guy is playing with and the quality of a comp- of competition he's facing based on time on ice. So, for example, if a guy has a really high quality of competition, you can figure that the coach is matching him up against uh, top lines a lot uh, or, or top pairings. Uh, and the same goes for having a high quality of teammates. You know, it's it's just kind of good context to have where it gives you a sense of, of how a player is being deployed. Uh, and then as for the expected goals stuff, you know, that that is kind of a more recent, I guess, advance in, uh, in, in the fancy stats world where, you know, these models have been built, including one by my friend uh, Patrick Bacon, uh, whose model is kind of the, the basis for a lot of what I'm doing, uh, which, you know, it, it basically it, it measures shot quality and quantity that's going on in the ice. So, you know, it, it's basically a model that doesn't value a point shot the same as a, you know, breakaway or, or a two on one or something like that. And by doing fancy math, you can basically pick out and, and estimate how a player is impacting those on-ice stats. So, you know, how is Drew Doughty impacting the the LA Kings generating scoring chances when he's on the ice or, you know, protecting against scoring chances, you know, and, and, and that's a, a very useful stat that kind of gives you a good, you know, bird's eye view of what exactly is going on that maybe you wouldn't even be able to really pick out from the, from the eye test. And sometimes it can have some, some surprising, but uh, oftentimes pretty revealing results. Yeah, that's 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 cool, Jack. And uh, I know you touched on. Uh, first of all, love love all that you do. Um, I think all hockey fans should kind of should subscribe to your work. It's just it's just great how you put it visually for kind of a lot of people to understand more clearly. But um, Kings fans kind of had the privilege of watching the deb- debuts of two of your. Um, I want to say this with a lot of sarcasm. Two of your most favorite players, uh, Jack Johnson and uh, Drew Doughty. Um, as a Penguins fan, I'm sure you got. The chance to watch uh, all the great stuff Jack Johnson was able to do last two years, but I want to touch on Drew Doughty and kind of get your take on uh, his uh, last few years. I want you to kind of be gentle if you could. Yeah, so I, Drew Doughty actually. So I mean, that's a, that's a kind of good pivot point in terms of my own, you know, personal story. I guess is that there was a point last year where I did pivot away from just doing the 
player cards and visualizations and stuff and started writing a lot more. And that ended up kind of snowballing in, in a good way where now I'm, I'm with EP ringside, you know, like I'm, I'm a professional hockey writer somehow, which is definitely a, a surprising turn of events. But really, I think the first piece that I wrote that got any attention to it was, was my piece on, on Drew Doughty, uh, where I basically made a, in, in my opinion, pretty detailed statistical case for, you know, Drew Doughty having completely fallen off a cliff before the, uh, before the 1819 season uh, and, and basically being consistently very poor uh, in terms of performance and results uh, in, in the past two seasons before this one. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, the fact of the matter is that I, I really don't think based on, on what I've seen and, and what the stats say, that there really is a lot of argument of whether Doughty's performance was, you know, good or bad in those past two seasons, you know, like from, from what I've seen, I, you know, and from, from both sources, it looked pretty ugly. I think the big question and the debate that I found really interesting about Doughty was whether it was, you know, him actually having a kind of, you know, decline in ability or whether there was something going on in terms of effort or efficiency or, or the way that he was playing that was maybe driving the results. And, and I had some really interesting conversations with Kings fans and, and Kings writers and, uh, you know, and, and development coaches and scouts who kind of, you know, gave their opinions on what they thought was going on and whether they thought maybe, you know, if the Kings were a little bit more competitive, you might see uh, Dowdy play a little bit more motivated and, and have a better impact on the ice. And, uh, you know, so far this season, uh, you know, Dowdy has been better uh, by all indications. Uh, the point totals, I think, are a little bit bumpered up by some, you know, secondary power play assists, the kinds of stuff that that analytics people will generally say to be a little cautious about. But, you know, I think the fact of the matter is that if you were coming to things from an analytical perspective on Dowdy uh, in the past two seasons, you would say that Dowdy was one of the reasons the Kings were struggling so much that they were playing a guy who wasn't performing well for like 26 minutes a night. Uh, whereas this season, I think that he's been just about break even in terms of his underlying impacts, not, you know, not too good, but, but also not too bad either. And uh, you know, I, I think that that's had a positive impact on the Kings. And uh, I, I, I think it's personally pretty encouraging considering that, that contract goes on for as long as it does. So who knows, maybe, maybe Dowdy sees the 2022 Olympics coming and, and he's decided that he's <laughs> going to play his way back onto that conversation. But either way, I think Kings fans should be at least kind of tentatively a little bit relieved that he seems to have picked it up a bit this year. Yeah. He's got to yeah. make that $11 million contract at, at least worth, worth something. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, like you mentioned, he's been, he's been playing pretty well or, somewhat well so far this season. So we'll see how it goes going forward. So, uh, Jack, I wanted to just quickly touch base back on <clears throat> the uh, player cards just real quick. You know, yeah. I pulled up, I pulled up Athanasio's, Athanasio's, excuse me, uh, player's card, and I'm looking at 94 percentile in finishing. Can you kind of just break down what that entails? Yep. Yeah. And then that, you know, that, that's something that I, I, I missed touching on uh, earlier. So I'm glad you brought it back up. Yeah. So one of the kind of important things in terms of looking at how a player's impact his team, especially if you're kind of comparing it to like a baseline of whether you want to say average or replacement level or something uh, is, is finishing talent, you know, like, like expected goals are kind of an, an average, they're a baseline, they're based on 
you know, a data from the past that predicts how shots are going to turn into goals based on the quality of them. But, you know, anybody who's watched hockey knows that there are players who have really good shots and there are players who have really bad shots. And there are players who are going to be able to finish scoring chances more dangerously than the average guy. So in this case and on those cards, uh, finishing would refer to uh, goals scored above expected. So, you know, let's say that Athanasiu has taken shots that are worth, you know, we'll say 2.5 expected goals total like the expected goals of each shot that he's taken has added up to 2.5, but he scored on four of them because he's a good goal scorer. So his finishing would be the gap between those two goals. So in the case of those cards, I do a thing where I kind of add it up and make it over a 56 game pace just to make sure that guys who have maybe a bit of a bigger sample size or a bigger role on on the lineup will, will benefit from that. So in the case of Athanasiu, I don't have his numbers right in front of me, but I'm just assuming that he has, scored a decent number more goals than he would be expected to based on the quality of shots he's taken. And we know that Athanasio in the past has scored goals at a pretty decent clip before. So I, I would say that there would be uh, some reason to believe that, you know, that scoring touch is legitimate and maybe not, you know, just, uh, just some buck luck. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and to get back to the, to the expected goals for him, there's been a little a bit of a debate I've kind of noticed um, in terms of, uh, X Jeff, whatever X expected goals for and and to uh, Corsi for percentage. I want to kind of get your take on that. Um, I've I've always thought Corsi was kind of the the main term in ter- in terms of uh, how a player affects uh, play on ice. So I'd like to get your take on that. Yeah, so so it's kind of a you know it, it's maybe a little bit of a obscure debate going on at this point. Basically, the the idea is that like Corsi came first, like it was easier to calculate. You didn't really have to build a model for it, uh, which is why it's, it's available pretty broadly. Uh, so Corsi, for, for those who aren't aware, is, is just is shot attempts. So any attempt to take a shot, whether it's on net or misses or hits the post or blocked, uh, that's counted as a shot attempt. And then it, it very popularly used to be used as kind of a proxy for puck possession. So the idea was that a team or a player who has more shot attempts for while they're on the ice than against is probably possessing the puck more. And and it was kind of used for that in the absence of, you know, like a time on attack type stat, like the, like they have in the NHL games Mm -hmm. Uh, since that time. And especially in the last five years or, or so, you know, people have found ways using the broad set of data that we have to, figure out for each individual shot using the information that the NHL records for each shot, what the likelihood of that shot going in is. So, so as opposed to Corsi, which will, you know, take the, the Nick Lidstrom shot from center ice that beat Dan Cloutier uh, and a breakaway <laughs> goal, uh, you know, in, in the crease and say, okay, those are both one shot attempts. You know, the expected goal model will basically absorb all of the data from the past 12 years or so. And if you, give it a shot and the circumstances of it and, and all that stuff, like where it's taken from, uh, it will basically give you a number of how likely it is. Like you, they think it will go in. So for instance, if it's like from the point, it'll be like, okay, this has like a zero point, you know, like 5% chance of going in. So the expected goal value of that shot would be 0.05. And, uh, and based on, on tests and stuff uh, that including ones done by my friend, Patrick, who I mentioned before, you know, they found that expected goals are a better way of predicting future goals 
than uh, actual goals because those are so influ influenced by kind of luck and random bounces and stuff, uh, and and also better at predicting them than, than Corsi. So I, I, I believe that expected goals are are the best way to get a really good sense of, of what's going on on the ice, uh, both in terms of what we would call descriptive stuff, which is kind of describing what's going on, and then predictiveness, which is kind of predicting future outcomes based on what's going on. So the Kings, for example, uh, have the uh, worst expected goals percentage in the NHL right now, uh, which does not bode especially well for uh, their future performance, especially because, and we might get to talk about this later, uh, the main thing kind of bumping them up right now is their goaltending, uh, which is currently uh, ranked ninth in the NHL. Uh, and, and I think it's saving them a little bit. So you could use expected goals to look at those numbers and say, you know, rut row, if the Kings don't continue to get top 10 goaltending, they might be in a world of hurt. So that's just kind of one of one of many, many ways that you can use expected goals to, to get a little bit better informed about what's going on. Awesome. Um, I also just want to, aside from the even strength player cards, they, you have, you've kind of built up kind of a, a catalog of stuff. I don't know if you just want to quickly go through of all the, the interactive sheets and the tableau visualizations that you have thus far to date. Yeah. So I, I have done my best to build up a very extensive and, and pretty thorough collection of visualizations it's not just about the player cards and stuff uh there's a roster builder where you can you know plug in any combination of players that you think the kings should acquire for example and see you know based on wins above replacement how they would be projected to finish in the standings uh there are timeline cards so you can see how player stats have changed over time uh and then there's like you said there's tableau visualizations which is basically a, a bit of software that lets you get really creative with kind of how you present stuff. And, and I have dozens and dozens and dozens of, of different options for, for how you can look at things. So for example, if you wanted to compare a team's, you know, their goaltending uh, to their finishing and you only wanted to see teams that were in the West division and, and you only wanted to see, you know, defensemen and, and stuff like that, you know, you have the flexibility to see all that kind of stuff. So really I, I've tried to, like you said, make a catalog of kind of everything that you could possibly want to see or know about, what's going on in the 2021 season right now uh, available. So there's, there's lots of options. And obviously there's games every day. So how long does it take you to kind of update all this information? So this is where, where my partnership with, uh, with Patrick comes in handy. Uh, he is the, we'll say the brains behind the operations. I guess I'm, I'm more of the, uh, the, the creative director here. You know, I, I'm, I'm the Steve jobs and he's the guy who's actually keeping the lights on. Uh, so he, he has a, a whole setup uh, in, in a software program called R that uh, absorbs the NHL's data as it comes in and then very quietly every day at four o'clock in the morning uh, uploads them all to a, to a shared sheet, which is where all my stuff draws from, which allows it to update automatically and makes my life a million times easier than it would be otherwise. Uh, that's that's amazing. I mean, I've kind of picked your brain. Uh, you probably didn't even know it was me, but doing uh, some baseball stuff uh, in Google spreadsheets and making kind of similar cards on my own end. But, you know, uh, that's me manually grabbing the stats and updating them every day. <laughs> yeah, I will say that. So the, the stuff on, on the Google Sheets, I do have to uh, I do have to put in manually, unfortunately, until I can figure out a better way to do that. So. 
we're, we're in the same boat there. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, obviously the, the Kings aren't as bad as they were last year. They're by no means great, but um, I've seen you use the term analytical darlings when it comes to guys like Shea Theodore um, and other players like that uh, in your articles. Uh, are there any players in the LA Kings that you would kind of put into that category this year based on their numbers? Yeah, I, I'd say so. So the so analytical darling is, is a term that that is, I guess, somewhat popular. Uh, I I do tend to use it maybe a little too much. Uh, basically, to describe a, a player who has a really good statistical profile, uh, who stats nerds like me tend to really like, uh, but who aren't maybe widely appreciated by broader hockey viewing audience. Sometimes this is because they have a, a not very flashy skill set. Uh, but it's effective, and sometimes it's just because you know they play on a team like the Los Angeles Kings that that not a lot of people are really tuning into and and maybe missing out on. Uh, the guy that stands out to me is uh, is Matt Roy, who had a really really good rookie season last year. Uh, analytically, really awesome numbers on the Kings, and and actually his success is kind of one of those you know things that you know you looked at Dowdy's results in contrast to them and thought you know well if Dowdy was playing like this guy then then things would be a, a hell of a lot better in, in Kingsland. But, you know, Matt, Matt Roy, I think if you look at his his impact on scoring chances, uh, both offensively and defensively, you know, what, what we would call his play driving, you know, he's kind of that one Kings defenseman who's really getting it done at both ends of the ice, which means he's, he's probably driving possession really well, uh, you know, probably keeping play in the offensive zone, uh, which, which is where you want it, and, and which is especially impressive on a team like the Kings that have uh, – have evidently struggled to do that. Um, in terms of, of the forwards, you know, Kopitar is, is the, still the standout. Uh, I think he's pretty clearly the best player on this team, and, and I don't think many people would probably deny that. Uh, I will say that uh, the presumably near near to depart uh, Alex Ayavalo has been uh, very nicely consistent in the past couple seasons as kind of a what we would call a low-event player, who is basically a guy where, you send them over the boards and then not very much happens. Like the, you don't give up a lot of good scoring chances. You're not going to generate a lot of good scoring chances, which, you know, in, in some cases isn't what you want on like a top six, but you know, I, I could definitely see him being a guy who fits that kind of bark, like good row, you know, maybe not quite Blake Coleman mold for a team that's trying to add a, an effective defensive third liner because, you know, that, that's a role that he's played for the Kings for the past couple of years, and, and his numbers are, are pretty consistently there this year as well. And to your point, I mean, I follow as a free agent after this year. Do you think he comes back or he goes elsewhere or the Kings move on? I, I, I would imagine that they would that, that they would trade him. I, again, I think that there are going to be a lot of teams this year that are looking to make that kind of clever and shrewd decision that, they, that the Lightning made last year in adding Goodrow and, uh, and I follow. And, you know, I mean, if, 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 or sorry, and, and Goodrow and, uh, and Coleman. And, you know, if teams can maybe look at, at I follow and, and a guy like Andrew Mangiapane and, and think, oh, well, that's just going to be our, our, our Goodrow and, and Coleman, I could definitely see somebody paying a, a decent amount for, for a guy like I follow, in which case I think the Kings would be very smart to, to let him go, at least as a rental, and, and then maybe look at bringing him back. Yeah, and just quickly back to Matt Roy. I mean, he's not the flashiest player by any means. He's, uh, you know, Todd McClellan calls him the steady Eddie in, uh, in post-game and pre-game conferences. 
Um, how much weight do you put into a statistic such as goals above replacement, which he consistently is among the top defensemen? Yeah, so so goals above replacement is is a bit of a tricky one, and and I think for you know I think we could go into a depth about that stat that that maybe wouldn't be you know enjoyable for for ninety five percent of the people listening. Uh, there are, there are strengths and weaknesses to it. Just just to quickly run through it, at least for defensemen, is that you know goals above replacement. A lot of it is based on uh, on ice goals, uh, like that's kind of the most important stat to it. And and if you're a defenseman you really don't have that much control over whether your forwards are putting pucks in the net or not. Uh, and, and so it might be that, that Roy has, has benefited maybe a little bit randomly from, from some of that kind of stuff. Uh, but at the same time, the good news with Roy is that if you look at stats that take away any kind of, you know, luck or, or finishing or, or forwards play or, or anything like that, uh, he, he checks out well regardless. So uh, I think uh, there's only good things to say about, about how Roy look statistically and based on the fact that he's not, you know, maybe the most highly touted player, I feel like that bodes pretty well for, uh, for the Kings. I, I'm not sure what his, uh, his contract situation is uh, right now, but I can't imagine that he is uh, breaking the bank now or will break the bank that much in the future. Right. Not too bad for a seventh round pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, so he's, I guess he's a, he's a UFA after this, or sorry, an RFA after this season. Uh, he, he does not seem to me like the kind of guy who is going to give the Kings a lot of trouble when it comes to negotiations. So I feel like they're in a position where they could lock up a really nice top four defenseman uh, at a pretty low number and uh, and get some really nice value out of him. Yeah, maybe they could get, lock him up to a Sean Walker type number, like a 2.6 million AAV type contract. Yeah, um, they'd be very happy with that, I would think. So just kind of shifting gears and uh, be gentle with the answer to this question. You know, with Matt Roy is kind of the analytical darling. Who um, have you, who would you consider to be an analytical nightmare on the LA Kings roster? So, I mean, there, there are guys on the team who have, you know, pretty poor analytical profiles, but really not too many people who stand out too egregiously. You know, kind of looking at the numbers that I have, the, the one guy – who's a forward who really stands out is Carl Grundstrom. I don't know. Is, is he playing that much for the Kings this year or, or is he kind of like a fourth liner who's maybe just not doing crazy well? Uh, he's a fourth liner, but he's pretty much a regular at this point. Okay. Yeah. His, I, you know, it, it might be a sample size thing. I, I know he was having a, a fun time last year from what I can remember, but uh, yeah, for whatever reason, he's kind of sticking out in, in a bad way. And, and I think you could look at, uh, at, at Tobias Bjorn fought who, who hasn't quite had the best results yet, but who has also, I think been, you know, put into the lineup pretty early on in his career for, for a defenseman and, and maybe in some, some roles that he wasn't quite ready for. So I, I wouldn't look too much into that, but you know, the most important thing for the, for the Kings in terms of their early underlying numbers for me is that Drew Doughty isn't all the way at the bottom there, which is where he's been for the past two, two years. And, uh, you know, I, I think the Kings have enough flexibility right now at forward. I mean, are they really going to have their hearts broken if Trevor Moore isn't that good? You know, you're, you, you guys are clearly kind of building something a little bit more structurally powerful than than the collection of kind of middle six talent you're you're putting out there on a day to day basis. So, I, I wouldn't be too uh, too worried about anything going on in that lineup, except you know maybe 
I mean, Drew, Drew Daddy has a long way to go to be worth that contract, but if he can at least be serviceable, at least he won't be hurting the team on a night-to-night basis, and, and you can just kind of work from there. Yeah, and I just want to get your opinion real quick. You know, uh, Byfield is with the AHL club this year due to the OHL not starting yet. You know, uh, Lafreniere and um, Sisla are in the NHL. Do you think the Kings made the wrong decision? In, in in sending Byfield or in, in letting Byfield play down there and, and not calling him up to the NHL or in drafting Byfield? Drafting and do you think they should have taken Stutzla instead? So Stutzla, it, it is worth mentioning, has uh, I think the second worst uh, expected goal impact of any NHL forward right now. I think only Phil Kessel is, is below him right now. Uh, yeah, so he, he is he's getting points and, and a lot of those points are coming because he is a very gifted player. But I think he is, if you look at other areas of his game, like puck management and, and decision-making, and especially defensive play, I don't think he really should be in the NHL right now. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people are maybe making very hasty proclamations about a player based on, you know, factors that are maybe not fully within his control. You know, I, people, I, I saw there was a poll the other day of, of would you take Stutzler or, or Lafreniere first overall? And I think like 70% of people voted for Stutzla, which is insane based on, you know, if you're basing your assessment of, you know, two players at the top of a draft uh, on 20 games of play and, and a lot of bad puck luck for Lafreniere. You know, I am not a prospects guy. I, I probably know the least about prospects of anybody who's ever been on the payroll of the website Elite Prospects. But <laughs> uh, everything that I have heard from anybody about Byfield uh, and, and his kind of potential for the future has been uh, extremely positive. Uh, I, I think people acknowledge that there's things that they want him to work on. Uh, there's, you know, maybe functional kind of skating stuff that, that they want him to, to maybe improve. But uh, I, the, the prospect people who I follow have been dead set that people can hyper fixate on whatever parts of his game or whatever kind of tournament performances or whatever that they want. But uh, Byfield still has uh, a very high ceiling and, and, I, I don't see very many of them at all uh, willing to make a declaration that, that the Kings made a mistake. So I would definitely advocate patience, uh, although this might be completely moot and we might be talking about uh, Quentin Byfield as a Buffalo Sabre uh, after the summer. And then maybe <laughs> this conversation will be all for naught. <laughs> Jack Eichel comes over then. <laughs> yeah, you, um, you never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Just on the Kings overall this season, you know, the veterans are largely kind of carrying them. Dustin Brown is kind of playing uh, like he's 25 years old again. Isaac Kopitar, excuse me, is doing his thing. I just want to get your general thoughts on the uh, LA Kings as a team this year. What do you think? Yeah, so, you know, I don't see them as, you know, as as a great team right now. I think that they have definitely – changed things up from last year, which has probably made them a lot more fun to watch than they were, uh, I would imagine. Uh, I've I've seen kind of early stats that would seem to suggest that they are playing more off the rush this season uh, than they did last year, especially. I think if you looked at their numbers in the last two years, when it came to how many of their shots were coming from the point, how many of their shots were coming off rebounds, it was pretty clear that they were playing a pretty uh, uncreative style of game that was you know, I think really holding back some of their players. And then I think Tyler Toffoli is a, a guy who 
who had a lot of kind of goals being held back just by the fact that the kinds of chances that he were getting that he was getting were, were so, you know, kind of just second chance, like grit and grind, like net front scramble type chances instead of maybe what he was getting in Vancouver and what he's gotten in, in Montreal. Uh, you know, if the Kings are playing a more open style, then that's, uh, uh, it's good for Kings fans. I mean, they weren't really expected to compete. Uh, but at the same time, I would uh, not be super bullish on, on the Kings kind of moving forward uh, throughout the season. You know, like I said before, they're last in the league right now and expected goals for percentage, which means they're getting outchanced uh, pretty much on a night-to-night basis. Uh, their their goaltending has been, uh, has been very strong. Uh, like we mentioned, you know, Jonathan Quick has had his issues. I think he's recovered a lot of ground in the past couple of weeks, especially on that winning streak. Uh, Cal Peterson obviously has been exceptional. Uh, unfortunately, uh, like you said, uh, out of the lineup for at least a couple of days here. Uh, and, and the special teams have been surprisingly strong, which is not something that I would have necessarily expected based on you know the construction of the lineup. Uh, but but uh, from what I can see, you know they're they're seventh in power play percentage, tenth in penalty kill percentage. Uh, you know those are really nice results. Uh, but you know those those even strength results are are not looking too good. And, and those are the ones that I would expect to, to really kind of matter. And, and I could see as the season drags on, especially, I mean, if you're putting Troy Grosnick out there uh, and of course, now that I say that he's going to get a shutout tonight, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I could definitely see things taking a sudden downward turn for the Kings, but I, I feel like honestly, based on the conversations I've had with many Kings fans, you know, you, you guys seem to have your eyes pretty set on the future. And, and it really just is a matter of kind of waiting to get there and, and hoping that some of your younger players can develop. So uh, hopefully I'm not, uh, you know, the bearer of, of, of too bad news. Yeah, I mean, definitely when the when a new prospect, you know, like Erasmus Kapari comes up for two or three games. So, you know, we uh, put a lot of stock in small sample sizes because we're just so desperate for uh, positivity. But uh, you kind of took away my... My, my next question and just kind of breaking down uh, the analytical stats between Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick. So I just wanted to, my last question, and I'll ask, uh, I'll open it up to, to Scott and Jack as well, but can you kind of just explain how you got involved with Elite Prospects? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, it was all very kind of, you know, all of a sudden uh, I had the chance to write, uh, my own on, on Substack for a couple of months there, you know, starting with the, with the Drew Dottie piece and then, you know, ended up because of, of how slow the, su- the summer was and, and all that kind of stuff, had the opportunity to kind of build up a, a pretty deep portfolio of very detailed hockey writing, which I actually uh, released as an ebook uh, last December. And, and, you know, it was, it was five bucks for it and, and all that went to charity. Uh, so, you know, I, I had a pretty decent sized body of work after only about seven or eight months of writing. Uh, and then uh, J.D. Burke of Elite Prospects was was nice enough to to reach out to me uh, back in January. Uh, you know, they kind of assembled this this team of uh, hockey writers that they were bringing on board, uh, including uh, Ryan Lambert of, of Puck Soup and, uh, and, and Dimitri Filipovich of the, PV, of the PDO cast, uh, which was, I will say, it was definitely a little surreal to be introduced in a press conference you know in this as you know it's it's jay fresh and then it's also these two guys whose podcasts i've been listening to for like five years and all that kind of stuff (laughs) but it really did come together super quickly it was probably like maybe two weeks of 
conversations and, and, you know, I've been writing for them for about a month and a half now. And, and it's been a really great experience so far. Definitely a lot different to write for an editor compared to just writing whatever the hell you want. But uh, so far it's been positive and, and hopefully uh, the relationship will, will continue to grow. Oh, that's outstanding. And I mean, I just, I just read your Sidney Crosby one the other day and I kind of framed my, uh, only model one I did for Rink Royalty in kind of the similar fashion, obviously using your figures from uh, your Patreon account. But yeah, I mean, uh, I know a lot of us are big fans of your work. Uh, so just keep it up is all I can really say. You know, you're doing a, doing good things. I appreciate it. Scott or Jack, do you have any questions? Yeah, I hey, uh, Jack, I'm Scott Kimball. Uh, sorry, I'm late to the show here. So I get for trying to podcast from work. <laughs> uh, so I got just a quick question for you. So I got to tell you, I'm kind of old school, uh, whereas I didn't really grow up with analytics. I mean, to me, the most advanced analytic was plus minus. And yeah. it's just amazing what you guys can can tell now from stats. Where do you see analytics going in the future? Yeah, it's, it's kind of tough to tell because they, they have all that fancy player tracking and, and stuff going on. But it really isn't clear how much of that, if anything, they're going to be released into the public. I think a lot of that is going to be uh, for teams, for broadcasters, and, and a lot of it is probably going to be used for gambling. Uh, I don't know right. how, how, how much mileage they're going to get out of that. Like, I don't know how many people are going to be putting down thousands of dollars on, like, what top speed will Connor McDavid hit tonight. But <laughs> it, clearly they're optimistic about that. Um, the, the ideal situation would be they eventually do make that data public, and hopefully there's one or two people in the public sphere who have computers that are big enough to, to deal with that data and, and make really cool stuff out of it. Um, otherwise, you know, I think a lot of it is going to be having, just doing our best to, to sharpen what we do have available uh, and, and, and do what, what I really try to do, which is incorporate as many kind of different sources uh, as possible. So, like, for example, right now, you know, the stats that we've mostly been talking about, like the expected goals and, and all that stuff, you know, all of that is built on the data that the NHL makes public. So, you know, during games, like live during games, uh, they, they have these numbers of who's taking the shots, who's on the ice, where the shot was taken from, all that kind of stuff. And, and that's what gets turned into expected goals, models, and coursing and everything. Uh, but there are other sources of stats that I think are, are really interesting and, and really useful when you're trying to do kind of more detailed hockey analysis. And, and I tend to use them a lot. Uh, there's a guy named Corey Schneider, not the, not the, uh, not, not the New Jersey Devils goalie, unfortunately. <laughs> Although he's, he would probably be better at that than he would be at keeping the pucks out of the net at this point. But, Oh. No, it's this, it's this, uh, this guy who, uh, what he's been doing, and he's been doing it for the past couple of years, is he basically watches games and tracks essentially everything that happens. And he has kind of a list of stuff that he tracks of zone entries and zone entries of possession and dump-ins and recovered dump-ins and, you know, all kinds of different stuff. Like, it really is kind of insane, and, and I don't know how he does it. Like, the, the amount of stuff that he tracks, the number of games that he watches to do it. Uh, but, but the result of all this hard work on his part is that a lot of the kinds of data that, you know, I don't know if, if, uh, if the Kings broadcast uses it a lot, but there's these kind of private data companies like SportLogic and, and Staffleets, which is the one that John Chica came from, where like their whole thing is that they have warehouses full of people uh, probably making minimum wage who what they do is basically what I just said Corey does. Like they watch games, they track everything that happens. Uh, and then they sell that data because they have a giant pile of it to teams and, and to broadcasters. And we never get to see that data because we don't, you know, have a hundred thousand dollars to pay for it. 
Uh, but Corey does it for the public. You know, he has a Patreon, but you know, 10 bucks a month is, is really no tall price to pay for, for the value of, of what he's putting out there. And what you end up with is kind of a body of work that really adds volume and, and, you know, interesting elements to what's going on. So for example, you know, if you're looking at, you know, I follow, for example, and you're saying, okay, here are his defensive numbers. They're really good. Why does he have such good defensive numbers? You know, you're going to want to watch him play for sure. You're going to want to watch shifts of his. And, and that would be, you know, one of the first things that I do for sure. But you can also go and see Corey Schneider's numbers and you can see, oh, okay. So he's actually a really good four checker. Like he's really good at recovering dump-ins. And, you know, maybe one of the things that he's doing that's creating defensive value is that when the Kings dump the puck in, he's tying the puck up against the boards. And every second that he's keeping that puck along the boards is a second that that puck isn't anywhere near his goalie. And, and you know, that's the kind of stuff that you can really start to put together when you have that data available to you. Uh, so I guess my broad answer to, to your question of kind of what's the future of stats is it's just kind of people who analyze hockey just getting smarter about using as many diverse data sources as possible and, and just making the best use out of what we have. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, Jack, I just was curious to get your opinion on one more player uh, on the Kings. Uh, Adrian Kempe, he's been, you know, really streaky player as far as his offensive production throughout his career. Had a hat-trick during the night against Anaheim, though, but, you know, he could go the next 10 games without scoring. Uh, what, what do your analytics say uh, about the kind of player he is? Yeah, so so Kempe is a guy who, you know, I, I admit, and I think this is probably true for a lot of people about the Kings, that there, there's a lot of guys on the Kings who kind of blend into each other, to be quite honest with you. And and I think uh, Alex Iafalo and Adrian Kempe are two guys who I think that my brain has kind of put together uh, in the past. Uh, you know, I, I can, I mean, I, I can bring up his, his results right now to, to refresh myself uh, completely. But, you know, from what I can recall in the past, like he is kind of one of the better players on the Kings, especially when it comes to scoring. Uh, yeah, so I, like this year, his, his underlying results aren't that strong, but he, he is scoring a lot of goals. Uh, and, and from what I can recall, he's he's been decent at that in the past. But, you know, I would say that he kind of falls into a pretty broad category of Kings players for me of, you know, like I can see him being an effective middle six player for a lot of teams in the NHL and, and including the Kings. I mean, when the Kings have the pieces that he can be a middle six player for them. Uh, I think that they'll be in, in really good shape, but you know, for the time being there, they might be playing and maybe a little bit higher in the line than, than, than they would otherwise want to. So funny enough, as we were asking you that question, apparently Kempe just scored to the Kings. Of Indeed, so. <laughs> well, well, there you go. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad because I, I was very worried that the, the absolute opposite was going to be true. And I was, I was giving completely bad information. So I'm going to take that as a sign that, that maybe I wasn't completely talking out of my ass. Yeah. So Jack, you're uh, with another player. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, just, so, yeah. Yeah. So that, that Troy Grossnick is really good at scoring goals. So uh, yeah. Watch out for that <laughs> Outstanding. Do you guys have any other questions for Jack? No, I think I'm good, no. actually. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Jack, you know, uh, just let our listeners know where they can find your stuff at. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm most active and, and probably far too active on uh, EP Rings. Oh, no, I'm sorry, on, on Twitter, uh, on at JFreshHockey. Uh, you can find pretty frequently my takes on whatever's going on. I do also tend to post a lot of visualizations responding to 
you know, transaction news and rumors and, and team news and stuff like that. Uh, you can find my writing mostly on uh, EP Ringside, the uh, Elite Prospects uh, NHL Analysis uh, publication. Uh, so all that stuff, uh, you know, I, I'm posting pretty f- frequently. Tomorrow, uh, I'm posting a new article about which players are having unsustainable starts to the season, which means I'm going to make a lot of enemies. Uh, so <laughs> if you want to defend me in the comments section, feel free to do that. Uh, and otherwise, uh, I, I think like, like was mentioned, uh, all the visualizations and, and stuff I do, they're all available to uh, Patreon subscribers who pay $5 uh, or more a month. Uh, and, and you get access to absolutely everything. So all the player cards, all the scatter plots, all the team stats, all the goaltender stats, all updating every day. So you can uh, be as, uh, as as educated as possible about this chaotic and uh, crazy game. Fantastic. Well, I just encourage all of our listeners to follow him at Hockey to subscribe to his Patreon and also uh, read his VP uh, Lead Prospects articles. You know, uh, Jack, I just want to thank you for coming on. Uh, you know, I've, over the last year or so, I've kind of um, learned more about the analytics side uh, in large thanks to uh, some of the stuff that you've been doing. So just keep up the great work. And, you know, uh, I can't thank you enough for being on with us tonight. I really appreciate it. Any Any opportunity to to emphasize that the analytic stuff isn't just random math. You can, you can connect it to stuff that goes on on the ice. And I think that you're, uh, you're that, that the, the only Mata piece did a good job of, uh, of, of fitting into that tradition of, of well-supported hockey stuff. So I'm glad that, uh, that people are getting a chance to read stuff about that with the Kings. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, this is another episode of the unofficial Frank royalty podcast, episode five, signing off. Thanks, guys.